Welcome to the NBA Roadshow, episode number 252. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me. We'll get into that a little bit later because uh, there's some news about Cole Coffee. We definitely got to catch up on that. But we won't get into all that yet. Right now, we'll get to the man that is here with me. I am in Los Angeles, California right now in the shadows of beautiful LAX Airport. It's it's scenic, it's scenic. And the man Ant Walker at Ant Walker MMA has joined me, formerly of Sherdog.com, now of My MMA News. Thank you for stopping by. This I know it's not a long trip for you, but nevertheless, I appreciate you making the effort and coming to this the scenic abode here with the beautiful skyline of LAX over there. <laughs> well, well, I, while I will say that you're. Um characterization of this the skyline of LAX is quite <laughs> hyperbolic. LAX is a hellhole. Uh, but I hope your description of me wasn't hyperbolic. No. <laughs> Thank, no. <laughs> John, thanks so much for uh, for having me. Always a pleasure talking to you, my man. For sure, man. For sure. I'm glad you can make it. Listen, look, the LA area, you're right about it. I, I've said it before. I don't necessarily love LA. I, I, I will say this, the convenience of it right here. So we're here, of course, or at least I am. You live here. I'm here for Bell Tour 238, Bud versus Cyborg. It's at the Fabulous forum. We'll just call it the forum. I don't know how fabulous it is. It is a cool venue. Yeah, it's, it's a dope fight venue. It is. It is a good venue. It's just the area around it is not so wonderful. Although it's going to be the new stadium right there right. is next to it. I'm sure there's going to be millions poured into yeah, that. Yeah, a lot of changes going around. Uh, so get in on that real estate while you can. And if uh, you can buy some Inglewood, yeah, buy buy a property <laughs> while you while you can, man. Well, so what I say is, you know, the Bellator does Inglewood a lot. And it is convenient because it's a short flight from Vegas, obviously, right here. The airport's right here. The hotel's right here. The forum's right here. It's it's convenient, right? It's all right here together. It's quick in and out. But you really don't get that that feel. And, and I, listen, L.A. traffic is awful. It's terrible. It's awful. And I don't know how people deal with it. But it's a pretty cool town in, in terms of, like, food and culture and getting right. around, places to go hang out. And we just don't really get to do that when it's, when it's Bellator Week because, unfortunately, we're right here. In the shadows of LAX. Yeah, everything at Bellator, every time they come to, to the forum, they just stay within this right. probably like five square, square mile radius. And it, it except for the, the occasional trip to the Hollywood headquarters of Viacom, you get that a little bit. But I don't know. It, it just doesn't have the same feel as like a, a UFC card at the Staples Center where you are in the right. middle of downtown L.A. Right. and you, you really get a, a vibe for the city. But I, I will say the Forum is a better fight venue, so I do appreciate you. It is a better fight venue than Staples. You're right about that. Like, it's been redone. Obviously, it's an old venue, but it's nice now. And you're right, man. It's just something about the size and the seating. It's perfect. Right. It, it makes even uh, some events that otherwise shouldn't be that big of a deal feel bigger. Yeah. You know, I th I think you, you were there for the uh, with Chuck Tito 3. Yep. Yeah, and in the form, and it just it felt like an actual big event for a little while. Yep. You know, and Bellator isn't going to sell the the same amount of tickets as the UFC in a lot of times, so it, it's probably better for them to not put that sort of pressure on themselves to go in the Staples Center, which I'm sure costs more to rent out. Oh, I'm sure. All right, and 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 more pressure to sell tickets and and fill the venue when you can go to the Forum and have like an authentic feel, and it and it just has that building has a lot of history in, in sports. Does. The Showtime Lakers. 
were you know were, were there and a lot of really cool things happened so I, I know of course you've seen this a million times and anybody who's been backstage at the forum has seen this a million times the history on the walls that's pretty cool you walked all the all the the great artists have done concerts there all yep. the great sports things that have happened there all the the great boxing that's happened in that building it's all memorialized in, in the walls there so Bellator is they're, they're doing the right thing by going to the forum but if you came to Bellator Fight Week for the LA vibe uh, sorry, fam. Yeah. All right. So two, so two things. Let me point out. First of all, I just straight up lied. I was not at Chuck and Tito three, uh, and I realized that I, I was part of the documentary, so I felt like I was there. Right in my head, I'm like, yeah, Chuck Tito three, man. Yeah, I should. I was like, no, I wasn't there. <laughs> I, remember, I think it was like around Thanksgiving or something like that. Yeah. So, and so Ken Hathaway came down here by himself and covered that. But uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I was here. And then as we're talking, I'm like. I wasn't here, so I'll just get that out on the record yeah. before anybody calls me out <laughs> on it. But second, I will say, too, we're, I guess uh, we're talking very first-world problems and media problems, by the way. Uh, I should not uh, shit on Bellator. And by the way, we're going to get into the card just shortly because I like this card a lot, man. I think there's Definitely. some really interesting matchups there. I, I, I'm literally just talking from the media perspective of, like, I'm just sitting in this hotel and all I ever get to see is LAX Airport. <laughs> but to the fan, that won't matter. So I should probably stop complaining about that. All right, I want to get into Bellator and the USC both because we've got dual events this week. Matt Erickson is out there in North Carolina for the USC. But before we do, got to talk a little bit more about Conor McGregor. It's one week later, but I mean, I do still feel like, yes, it's settling down a little bit, but everybody is still talking about that. And I think more importantly, everybody's still wondering kind of what the next step is. And so I, I'm kind of wondering for you, man. I, I, I respect your opinion. I like the way you, you, know, you sit back and analyze things. Sometimes I'm so close to the grind and day in and day out that I don't get a chance to really sit back and think about it a little bit. So I, I respect your opinion a lot. And I want to know a week later kind of where, you, where you're feeling. Like, A, what you take from it now versus maybe what you took from it that night. Like where it's living in your head in retrospect. Because I feel – in, as, as we get further away from it, I feel like a lot of people are less enamored with how amazing Connor did, and they're more focused on how bad Cowboy did. At least that seems to be some of the opinions that I'm seeing now. And then also just if you feel like you have a better understanding of where we go next because, man, the more I talk about the scenarios and what's out there, there's a lot of options on the table. I mean a lot of options on the table, but the timing. It's all about timing. It's all about you know when what, where, what piece fits where. And I don't know if, if, if I feel any clearer about where, where I think we're going to be. You know, I think that was the point of it all, uh, to not be clear as to what the next step is. You know, if, if Connor went out there and did not perform the way he did, if he ended up in the L column once again, you're down to a, just very few options. You're, you, then you start questioning, well, how viable is Conor McGregor as a high-level mixed martial artist at this point? Right. Uh, then you start then – it, then it raises up more questions about uh, his legal problems. It raises up more questions about his conduct in, in the past several where years. Where his head at? Right, and, 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 and what his life what, – what directions his life has taken him to where he's fallen off as a mixed martial artist. So you're starting, you're starting to open up a lot of doors that – You'd rather keep close by him winning and winning the way he did. Now it just opens up the book. Now we didn't learn a whole lot right. uh, about Conor McGregor um, from that performance because I think most of us in that bubble would have said, "Yeah, Conor probably knocks out Cerrone. Maybe not as as emphatically as he right. did not when in 40 he did." Seconds. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I gave it. I gave it the first round and a half. I thought that's until, what I think a lot of people thought. Two rounds, round and a half, two rounds. Right. Yeah, and that, and I think that's a, that's a reasonable point of view to take. But when he goes out there and demolishes him and doesn't really show much, I mean, other than a mean shoulder bump, <laughs> uh, you, you know, you, you have to you have to then wonder. 
um, what's next, and it just adds this air of mystery that we haven't had uh, around Connor since like 2015. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, so let me ask you this. Okay, we know that we've got Tony Ferguson, Habib Nurmagomedov coming up, a fight that we've wanted forever, a fight that's been booked over and over. Now, the first time I heard this, it was crazy. Uh, we, we started doing this thing, if, if people haven't seen it, it's called the Spinning Back Click. We do it every week on MMA Junkie Now. Myself, the guys from uh, MMA Junkie Radio, Gorgeous George and Goes, we get together. And we just have a you know, quick 10, 15-minute you know, run through a bunch of topics. And we started talking about this. And George Garcia, Gorgeous George, came out and said, I think they should consider paying Tony Ferguson to step aside and make this rematch. And then I believe it was Colin Cowherd came out and said the same thing. I thought George was crazy. I thought he was the only person on the planet saying it. Now, I'm not going to necessarily say that Callan Cowherd yeah. backing up that opinion means that he's not crazy. And Skip Bayless said it, too. Was it Skip? Is, oh, it was, oh, it was Skip, oh, Skip Bayless. Oh, yeah, You're yeah, right. Yeah. It was Skip Bayless. not Callan Cowherd. You're who's, absolutely right. Whose opinion we, we just mm. – yeah, There you go, right? <laughs> so I, so I, I saw that, and I just, I just want to put my hand in the air right now and, and slap somebody outside the head for saying that, man. No, absolutely. Like, First of all, I don't think Tony Ferguson would even be – like he's been through so much hell to even get to this point. I don't think Tony Ferguson would accept that, but I think even even and I'm not trying to disrespect my man Gorgeous George, but I think even entertaining that is like crazy. It's just it's, it's, it's impossible. It's sacrilege, and you know, and all respect to, to to George. George is the homie. He's 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 a cool. Oh gee, Def, definitely definitely much respect and love for that dude. But come on, fam. Yeah, can't do that. Come on, George. Can't do that. We we know better than that. All right, so here's the other thing too that's interesting about that. So, uh, you know, it's funny the press conference. Dana's saying, oh, man, you know, Habib, Connor, two is the fight to make. And, you know, I started talking to some people, submission radio boys afterwards, our own little recap show that we did. And, and I said, you know, I do agree that that would be massive business. You know, I think that that would be a huge show. Now, understanding that there's still a fight to happen. We're just talking about if Habib is to win. I think a lot of people are reading too much into that and kind of mm-hmm. slating Dana a little too much by saying, well, don't you realize he's got to fight Tony Ferguson? No, 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 we realize that. But here's my other thing. If Habib can win, which I am looking very, very forward to that fight, knock on wood, it doesn't fall apart again. Join you in that. Here's the thing is I do agree, massive money, massive, massive money, man. Global appeal. You know, I've been fortunate enough to travel the world and see the type of appeal there is in these other markets. But I do wonder, making that fight right away, as you said, we didn't learn a whole lot in that 40 seconds. But – I, I understand this is the reborn Conor McGregor, the refocused Conor McGregor, everything. And, and, and I do believe that, man. He looked great. He acted great, all those things. But I, I don't know if he beats Habib Nurmagomedov, even as this reinvented version of himself. And so I wonder, you know, putting that fight together right away would be big money. But it's one fight, and now you're back to where you were before, right? So is it is it too soon? I mean – to do that seems like maybe other options. I, I fully, fully agree with you. And let me let me just digress a little bit by saying that uh, this this uh, new and improved, like reinvigorated Conor McGregor, right. we haven't seen the likes of this since Sea Level Kane. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just just had to get that out there. Uh, but, but but I think when you you go with motivated a BJ Penn. Oh yeah, motivated BJ Penn man. Penn. Yeah. Um, if you uh, or TRT uh, Vitor. <laughs> Wow! Another wow. one, yeah, another one right there. Uh, Uberim, a horse meat, yeah, a horse meat. <laughs> um, the the thing is, if you go immediately to the Connor versus could be rematch, you just take so many pieces off the table yes. that make that table so appealing in the first place. Yes. Uh, so, like what I was saying, uh, tying it back to what I was saying earlier. Now, if Connor lost, then the only really big fight for him that makes any sense would be that Nate Diaz trilogy, which they always have in the back pocket. Um, but with him winning. 
Well, then let's say he legitimately is going to chase the lightweight title instead of it, you know, a, a title shot being provided to him. Right. Um, then you got Justin Gaethje right there. Who doesn't want to see that fight? Uh, and now the BMF thing, which I, I hope the BMF thing kind of dies off. I, I don't. We don't need any more fake belts. But if if he fights uh, Jorge Masvidal, what a big fight that would be. Um, right, or or if he decides to, I mean, although uh, a fight against Masvidal would serve this purpose, but if he were to legitimately chase welterweight title contendership, um, we if you put him up against Khabib and the same thing happens that happened in UFC 229, you just wipe away That's so it. much injury. You take a lot of options. Now, you said it, and it's a, and I've used that exact terminology, Diaz in the back pocket. That one's always there, right? I, so I do believe that one would still be on the table, but I'm starting to wonder – it didn't even cross my mind at first because, to me, they're going to fight the next time Conor loses. Exactly. The next time Conor loses. And that may be a weird way to look at it, but you said it's always there. It doesn't matter. I've said it a million times. Those guys could lose five fights in a row apiece, and you book that fight. It's a pay-per-view headliner. It makes, it makes mad money. So I, I didn't even think about it originally, but now I'm starting to wonder if maybe if it is the time to do that one right now, if maybe you could slip that one in right now because you still need to figure out what's happening at lightweight. And as you said – Maybe you can keep him progressing towards that lightweight belt. I'm not sure. And, and then the, the thing that's really blowing my mind is, is where does Justin Gaethje fit in, man? That guy is too damn good and too damn exciting to be on the outside looking in right now. But to be honest, I can't figure out exactly where he fits because I'll, if, I, if, 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 all, if all the pieces were on the table and there was nothing announced or anything, I think I'd like. I think I'd like the Masvidal fight right now. I think that's the one I feel like the most fan sentiment right now. Connor and Masvidal would be big. I mean, the personalities, the star power. Man, you see, I mean, man, what happened with the BMF title? I know, you know, again, I'm with you. Let's not keep creating belts. But the damn president showed up to it. The Rock is there. I mean, it was a big event. So those two personalities meeting, man, I think would be big. But it just seems like the UFC is like adamantly opposed to it, and honestly, doesn't even seem like Connor wants it. Which I, I I'll be honest, I, it's a little head scratching to me, man. Because to me, I think out of any, I'm a t- out of Habib, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje, Masvidal, Usman, Diaz. I think that's probably about the most logical items right, right. there. I think Masvidal is the most appealing out of all of them. I think so. I think style wise, it's the most favorable one. Although, for the record, I would pick Masvidal in, in that if I gun to my head I and I had to pick right would. now. I probably would. But but style-wise, that seems like the most favorable matchup for him. Um, you know there's going to be bigger money in that than a, than a Usman fight. Um, I, I I would say even right now, probably even bigger money than the Diaz trilogy. Yeah. If it were to happen right at I this moment. I think so. I think so. I'm just surprised that they don't seem more excited about it. So, I guess I, guess we, as, I think you said a great thing early on was saying, I think the point was for people not to know. Because you're right. Because Connor, if he wants something, he says it right away. Right. right. I mean, he always has a message. He always has a plan. And it's not just, you know, throwing out there just for sake. You know, he knows exactly where he's going, exactly what he wants. So I do think the, the fact that he kind of came in and said, I don't know. We'll sit back and we'll wait. I think he wants to create that. I, I will say the one thing I do not I do not want to see this. I do not want to see him box. I don't care if yeah, it's Mayweather. I don't care Pacquiao. if it's Pacquiao. No. I don't care if it's Terrence Crawford or whatever, whoever's being thrown Definitely out there now. Definitely not Terrence Crawford. <laughs> I do not want to see it. Man, like, yeah, just – I'm so sick of the boxing MMA talk. I'm so sick of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the thing is, I, as much as I say that, 
my dumb ass will be right there. Of course you will. Well, of course. Well, that's that's the thing is okay. That's it. Like like Mayweather McGregor. I mean, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? That was. A, a, a spectacle. It was crazy, man, to see it. And if, if something like that happened again, it would be yeah. similarly. That a was lightning in a bottle. It was well, it was two things. It was lightning in a bottle. You're right. I don't know if you can go back and make that. And the other thing was, to me, it was never competitive. It was never going to be competitive, and that's why I'm tired of it. I mean, you're right, and that's probably what made it lightning in a bottle. The fact that. These two huge stars were able to put a fight together. We all said, I mean, I remember when the rumors first came out, and I was doing interviews going, this is never going to happen. I don't even know why we're talking about it. And then it happens. I'm like, well, I don't know anything about the sport anymore, you know. <laughs> uh, but it was never going to be a competitive fight, just as, I mean, there's a reason Floyd Mayweather doesn't step into MMA. I mean, any boxer coming to MMA is going to get mauled. There's no question about that. They're not going to be able to stop leg kicks and takedowns. But the other way around, I mean, when you go fight a professional boxer in a professional boxing match, you're going to lose. Yeah. You, you learn not, how little you know about boxing. That's it. It's just not exciting to me. That's why I don't want to see it happen. I don't want to lose. If this is prime Connor, if this is reinvigorated Connor, and we're only going to get a, a short win, I mean, this dude's not going to fight for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, right. let's make the fights count. Right, big time. And then when you start talking about some of those other names, a Crawford or a Pacquiao, we, we start getting ridiculous as far as what we can expect Connor to look like when it's all over with. Right. It's one thing to step in against Floyd, a guy who whose style is predicated mostly on defense, a guy who isn't known to to have knockout power, and Fair you know point. a guy who's gonna who's gonna play around to make all the money he can at the gambling table yep. when he's betting on his own fight. Not when you have killers like Crawford or a guy like Pacquiao or a guy like Canelo who who just their sole objective is to decapitate you. Yep. You, you know now you're looking at ruining someone who has a viable career for the next, you know, for the foreseeable future in mixed martial arts off of one boxing match that, you know, granted, he, he had no chance of winning in the first place. And, and, look, I get it. Pacquiao's a name. Crawford, I love Crawford, man. That dude is if, – if, if people haven't seen him fight oh, – he's a beast. He's an absolute beast. But that's kind of the point is you have to say if you haven't seen him fight. Because, exactly. you know what, there's a, probably a lot of MMA fans that haven't seen him fight. So that's not even logical. I, I just don't want to yeah, see let's, him box. Let's, let's, let's stop even bringing energy to this, man. I'm down. All right. <laughs> so let's talk about I mean, look, I had to talk about it. You know, Conor McGregor is still kind of dominating the headlines. And I will say this. You know, the UFC and Bellator are both holding events this weekend. I think it's hard for both of them to promote, man, this this quick afterwards. Now, luckily, you know, neither one's a pay-per-view. It's not like you're being asked to shell out money again. But in terms of – for Bellator, number one, selling tickets here is probably not easy because I guarantee you if you're a hardcore MMA fan and you live in L.A., you probably tried to get yourself to Vegas to at least go soak in the atmosphere if not to actually go to the fight itself. So got to be tough to sell tickets here. But even, you know, I mean, the UFC, uh, the UFC out in Raleigh, I, I mean, they're getting ready for a car, but I don't feel like there's any like big push behind it. Zero buzz behind it. Like it, it actually took me a second to sit there and think about what the main event was. Yeah. And for, you know, JDS versus uh, Curtis Blades, I mean, that's a that's an excellent fight. It's an excellent fight. It's just but, tough on the calendar, man. I mean, yeah. that quick behind it. And, and it's just hard. The UFC only has so many people and on so much staff and, and fans only have so much attention. It's it's hard, man, to, 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 to go immediately after the week after a Conor McGregor fight. It's the only bad thing about doing an event that big is it's kind of, kind of tough to follow it up. Yeah, it's, it's like that, um, that, that kind of um, – it's like a hangover mm -hmm. almost. You, you know, you – Maybe maybe that that event is like a little bit biting the dog back, but 
at the end of the day, you don't feel the best. You know, you don't feel as good as you did the night before. So that's it. All right, let's talk a little bit about Bellator 238. The reason I'm out here, Uh, Julia Budd versus Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg making her Bellator debut. It's funny. Chris Cyborg and Scott Coker. It almost, it's weird. It almost doesn't feel like a debut. You know what I mean? Because they're coming back together again. But it is a debut in the promotion. And I gotta say, um, I was really happy when Chris Cyborg came to the UFC. I was. I, I, I just felt like she was too good of a talent to never step into the UFC. You know, you hate the the Fedor Emelianenkos of the world who you're like, oh, man, they were so great, but we never got there. And there's not a ton of those names out there, but, you know, Chris Cyborg, to me, definitely would have been one of those. And I was super excited when she came to the UFC, but I will admit, uh, I think I like her better here in Bellator, man. I think Bellator has actually spent some time developing this division. It's an actual division, yes. you know, whereas the UFC – I still don't understand how committed they were to it. And Scott Coker, who never talks trash about anybody today, still didn't talk trash today. But he came out and said, like, look, I don't think they ever even were committed to developing the division. They just wanted to be in the Chris Cyborg business, and that's all they did. And it's hard to argue with that. That's pretty much all they did. So here, Chris Cyborg has an actual home where there's opponents up and down that you can actually fight. Plus, you have the option of, and I know we just got through saying we're not going to talk about boxing, but she's a little bit different. She's kind of one of those special fighters that, you know, she's done this and accomplished that, and she's in the kind of, I don't want to say the twilight of her career, but, you know, she wants to It's like rarefied air. It is. It's rare. This is one of those that you do want to see. Like, I do want to see her definitely go fight in Japan in a ring in some kind of freak show matchup against somebody that's like 250 pounds or whatever. You know (laughs) what I mean? I want to see that. I want to see her box. I I want to see this fight, man. This is a great fight. So... I, I gotta say, I, I think I'm, ha- I'm I think I'm happy that Chris Cyborg left, and you know, talking to her today, she seems super happy, man. Like in a way that she hasn't in a long time. There's no chip on her shoulder, man. She always had that little bit of edge to her that even when she was excited for a fight, you could still tell she was pissed off at Dana about something. Right, and I think for for her, for Dana, for the UFC, for Bellator, for all parties involved, this is the best thing. The the relationship between Chris Cyborg and Dana White got so toxic. It it, it, it it just got so ridiculous toward the end that you just have to wonder, like, is it worth it anymore? That's it. As, especially when you looked at what the UFC was providing in terms of opponents for, for Cyborg or a division for her. And aside from a rematch with Amanda Nunes, what was there? You know, maybe uh, Megan Anderson. But yeah. do we really need to see that after what's happened with Megan no. you know, as of late? Um, not right now. We're not, yeah, exactly. Not right now. Like, do, do we want to wait around for the right person to come along? Or can Cyborg just be put in fights that are meaningful for her? You know, right now, and she can make a, a, a decent amount of coin. She's one of the, the, the few fighters who has the ability to make sponsorship money, yep. significant sponsorship yep. money under Bellator that, you know, that she would not be getting uh, with the UFC in the, in the Reebok deal. So... This makes sense for all parties involved, and like you said, the the, the UFC never showed real commitment to a, a female featherweight division. They showed semi commitment to the Chris Cyborg business. That's it. Listen, I'm I'm pulling up the odds. I'm not a wagering man. Not that I have anything against betting, but I've just always said when I put money on fights, I do not look at them objectively anymore because my money is tied up in there, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I I am cheering for my money, but I wanted to kind of see what the odds were. Chris Chris Cyborg minus 440 is what I'm looking at right now with with Julia Budd coming back at plus 350. Um, that I guess it doesn't surprise me because I think Julia Budd is probably an unknown commodity to a lot of people. Chris Cyborg has been around and yes, she had the big loss, the devastating loss that cut into her aura. 
but she's a superstar that people have been seeing maul, you know, other fighters on a big stage for a long time. I understand, I think, the line from a, a – and I think it's always important when you're talking about a line to remember, you know, the sports book is trying to get action both ways, right? I mean, that's right. that's what it's about. But if, if that was like, hey, is this what you agree in terms of competitiveness or how much there is of a chance to win – I, I look at this a lot differently. I don't know if I'd say pick him. I, and I did end up picking Chris Cyborg in this fight. And I think a lot of us did on the staff. But to me, man, and, 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 and seeing Julie Budd, I, I haven't seen a lot of her fights in person. But seeing her today and standing next to her, man, she is big and strong. And I've seen it on tape. But seeing her and realizing that she's bigger than Cyborg. you know, And I, I don't know if she'll be you know, quite as quite as quick or quite as explosive. You know, She might have to be a little bit more tactical about it. But... Uh, I'm. I think Julia Bud's a live underdog here. Yeah, I I I'd, I'd give her live dog status simply because of the size differential, and, and that's something that Chris Cyborg has very very rarely, if ever, faced. Right. But the at least way an they, athletic big person, right? Right. You know? Right. Exactly. But the way they fight, I I just don't see Julia Bud uh, coming away with this. I'm I'm not too mad at the odds. Maybe I, I'd make it a little closer. Yeah. A little bit closer. Yeah. No, but but Cyborg is I, I don't. I think it depends on what sort of cyborg we see. Now, I am definitely of the school of thought that if you were to put uh, Chris Cyborg against Amanda Nunes uh, uh, t- uh, today, the result might be a little different. Not necessarily that, that Nunes would lose or whatnot, but it wouldn't happen that emphat- emphatically. It wouldn't happen that fast. Right. Um, I think what we saw from uh, Cyborg at UFC 232 was more of a – Kind of rushing, like it. It was it was pre Jason Perillo Cyborg, in my opinion. It was. Uh, now you take the the patient and kind of disciplined striker that Cyborg has evolved into under his tutelage. That's a very tough puzzle for Julia Budd to crack. Yep. If if Cyborg goes in there trying to bully her, like she attempted to do with Amanda, like she was able to do uh, pre Perillo with you know a who's who in strike force, then um, then I think Bud's chances. Get a little better because you see that that over aggression. Uh, Bud goes in for that takedown. She she gets her down and, and and ground and pounds her out. That's a possibility. But I if, think maybe that newness cyborg is living in my head right now. Right, you know. And then but you look at what she did against Felicia Spencer, and Felicia Spencer kind of similar style to Julia Bud in 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 the way that she uses her grappling. Spencer had a difficult time dealing with it. Like mm-hmm. when she couldn't get the fight to the floor, she got pieced up. And however crazy biased that commentary was for for Spencer during that fight, the 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 truth was Spencer was getting whooped up on. Um and, and that's because she couldn't take the fight where she wanted it to go. And not like she didn't have the strength to do it. Just Cyborg we forget Cyborg is an excellent grappler. Yep. She is. I tell you what, I I'm excited by the fight. It is meaningful and uh, listen, I mean, in our women's featherweight rankings at MMA Junkie, this is number two versus number three in the world. So, I mean, this is a big, meaningful fight. I understand it's not a division that maybe as deep as some of the others, but that you know, Bellator has done a good job of cult- cultivating a division. And I-, I threw it out there today, and and I threw it out to Coker, and I threw it out to Bud and Cyborg as well. And, and none of them really bit on it, but I don't know, man. I kind of ha- have this feeling that like this belt at women's 145 pounds means more almost. I mean, I'm not trying to take away from Amanda Nunes. Like, Amanda Nunes is the women's goat. I'm not trying to say that. But she fought one time there and will never fight there again probably. I mean, right. I, 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 she's still carrying the old belt around, man. She hasn't even had a chance to get the new belt because she's still got the old one. You know what I yes. mean? Yes. So I almost feel like this belt, at least in this category, is 
it's more meaningful in some ways, I think. Now, that may be crazy talk. I mean, we're, no, we've got a couple frosty beverages yeah. are flowing a little bit. Maybe I'm getting crazy, but I, I think this one might mean more. You're, you're not crazy. It, the thing is, I, I think maybe saying that is a little premature because we're so close to when Amanda won that belt. Right. Um, it, we're, we're, we're what um, – a year, a year. yeah, so about a year and a month. Yeah, year and a month removed from it. So maybe it's a little premature, but by this time next year, that is absolutely true. If she hasn't fought if again, yeah, right? If there's no movement in the the so-called women's featherweight division, right. in, in the UFC, yeah, that that sounds about right because at some point, um, you know, a, a lineal legacy or whatever has to mean little if you don't do anything right with it. if it's just sitting there and you not do anything because as of right now you have to look at what nunez um with nunez knocking out cyborg and i hate to get too deep into the lineal talk but you're talking the the strike force belt you're talking invicta belt as well like unifying those titles That's with true. the ufc and that means a lot That's so true. close to it now a year from now and and Scott Coker is continuing to foster an actual division, and Julie Bud already already has what three defenses under yeah. her belt. That means that that's going to mean more in the future. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right, listen. Well, I had a couple minutes to catch up with Cyborg Day. Kept it brief with her because Dave Doyle had also spoken with her for a feature that's on MMA Junkie and a print piece in USA Today as well. Uh, but I did have a couple minutes to talk about it, and here's what uh, Cyborg had to say. Well, Cyborg, obviously you fought in all the biggest organizations in the world, but I wonder that first fight, you know, when you're stepping into a new home, what's the feel like? Are there any nerves or excitement or, you know, kind of a feeling of the unknown? Young. I feel young. I feel motivated. I feel happy, you know, for new chapter in my career. I'm excited to have this fight. Very nice. You and Julia have been close to each other, right? I mean, Strike Force and Victor, you've been under the same banner before. So, you know, was this a fight that you thought about, that gave energy to, thought that, hey, we're, we're definitely going to fight at some point? I knew we were gonna we're gonna fight one day together, you know. She's a 145 pound I am, but we different get it different ways, and now we meet to chat Saturday. Nice. You stepping in right away and challenging for the belt. Uh, I wonder, in some ways, this belt might mean more than the UFC belt because they have so many women here and more of a division. Do you feel like it's possible that this belt means more than the USC belt? Uh, I think no belt means a lot for me. Like for me, it's uh, for me. I just feel thankful having a belt around me. You know, I have to use this for this platform, be aware of me at, for share my faith and touch people's hearts and do what I love to do. You know, if this belt is important for touching people's hearts, I'm gonna hold the him for a long time. Yeah. You know, it was about a year ago you had the loss. You handled yourself with class, with dignity. I wonder, though, did it change you as your approach to training, your approach to fighting? Did that loss change anything within you? You know, that, that I feel in my heart, we speak serious for you, that loss is God gifted. Because if it don't happen, I was not here now. And I, I mean, now so happy this new chapter, new era for me. You know, if it don't happen, I was not in Bellator. If it don't happen, I'm not signed with Scott. I'll have to stay unhappy in the struggle every day. And then now I'm happy here, you know. I don't have any problem. just have folks in my training, fighting, environment, people around me, you know, don't want to damage my brand. They want to grow in together and it just make me really motivate. Did the struggles that you have, like, affect you on a daily basis? I mean, did it cause you to have like a lack of motivation to train, a lack of motivation to, to keep doing what you do? You know, I think it makes strong my faith. This has helped me. Maybe thank you, Dana, you know? Thank you, people who challenge you all the time. And make me a better person. Better person, strong. Make me strong. Yeah. I wonder, you know, you, you came back and got a win. Some people said, oh, it wasn't the most exciting win. It wasn't Cyborg. Do you feel like there's anything to prove here to show like, oh, I'm still that Cyborg? You know, maybe you back that fight 
put sound down, no listen, because Joe Rogan announced that fight. He's a he's commentator. He's the best friend than White. That fight, amazing fight. Felicia, great opponent. And I'm just excited now, fight Julia Bud. Yeah. Great thing about being in Bellator, there's options, right? Maybe you can box, maybe yeah. you can go to Japan, maybe you can do all kinds of things. What's on the table for you? I mean, what do you want to accomplish while you're here? You know, I'm happy that Bellator signed you because I can do another things, you know? I opened the opportunity for me on other things. And I don't know, I just fought Saturday. After this, I like to live the present. Nice. nice. Well, on Saturday is a big fight. How do you see this thing going? Two, two fantastic strikers, two very strong women. I mean, do you feel like this is going to be a very explosive fight? Is it going to be tactical? What, what are we going to see here? Good question. You know, I'm thinking what I'm going to do. You know, I feel, I feel, I feel ready. You know, I feel very complete athlete. You know, I, my team amazing. I just ready to go. Very blessed, and I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I like to fight and leave the consequence God hands. All right, that was Chris Cyborg. I thought it was funny, man. She pointed out exactly what you said, the commentary, uh, how biased it was. She <laughs> said, make sure you watch it with the volume down if you want to talk about my last fight. But uh, listen, it's a good fight. I I'm excited about it. I, I, I really am. And I think this, uh, again, tops off a good card. should say, by the way, if you like what you're hearing, make sure if you're uh, logged into iTunes or wherever you hear uh, this wonderful MMA road show, wherever you get your podcast, make sure you log in, make sure you subscribe, leave us a positive review, leave us some feedback, man. That always helps. And if you want to kick it up to that next level, Go to patreon.com slash the MMA Roadshow. We would appreciate your financial support. It helps us out a little bit. And uh, trying to get the Patreon community a little bit more involved moving forward. It's been a small thing on, on the side, but I'm going to try to grow that bad boy a little bit so we have a little little community. I'm tired of Twitter. I'm tired of Instagram. I want, yeah. I want, I want our community, man. I'm yeah, tired I like of it. I like it, man. social media. And you know what? Before before we continue, I, I just have to do something because we did talk uh, a little a little retrospective in the last yes. week. Um, and I don't think there, was an, there wasn't a, an episode after 246. Correct. Right. So can I say and a half? You can. <laughs> All right, I, want, I wanted to get to the uh, and a half, but I couldn't because I had to work the next morning. And uh, But I hate coming on here and apologizing because it just sounds like I'm a loser. So anyway, <laughs> but we'll get to those. Uh, all right, listen, uh, just as intriguing to me, Featherweight Grand Prix quarterfinal, Adam Borgs versus Darian Caldwell. I'm really intrigued by this to, because to me, first of all, this Grand Prix, man, they loaded it with talent, and now the matchups are starting to come together. Adam Borks, the undefeated Hungarian kid um, who's just explosive as hell, has knockout power, creativity, um, has picked up some incredible wins against Darren Caldwell, the ex-Bantamweight champion who suffered a pair of losses to Horiguchi, but Horiguchi's a monster, man. I, you can't shame him too much for that. Moving up to 145 says he feels a hell of a lot better in that category. Um, so it's, you know, the up-and-coming prospect versus the former champ. It's the guy that's going to come out looking to try to do crazy, you know, wild striking versus the guy that's going to try to control you with wrestling. Uh, and and I'm intrigued by this one. And the other thing that I'm really intrigued by, and I hate to say this because it's not that I'm necessarily tipping my hand, uh, but A.J. McKee gets the winner of this fight. And uh, I, I, I mean, I like the idea of A.J. McKee versus Darian Caldwell. I mean, because, again, that, that's similar matchup, right? The up-and-coming talent versus the former champ proving and all that. But I will say the idea – of two undefeated young cats going into the semifinal intrigues the hell out of me if Borks is able to get by him. Um, but overall, man, I, I think it's I think this is just an intriguing fight to me. I'm I'm loving this fight. I I, I really really love this fight. Adam Borks is somebody that I think we should be talking about a lot more. You know, with with absolutely no disrespect to to AJ McKee. Uh, who deserves every bit of uh, attention he's right. gotten and has proven himself every test that they give him. 
Adam Borgs is pretty much doing the same damn thing right five now. 5-0 in Bellator with five finishes. Two of those being flying knees. <sighs> and, and, you know, and that's what I find really intriguing about this against Darian Caldwell. Darian is a guy who is, he's very clearly going to try to take you down. You yes. know exactly what he's going to do. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on the X's and O's here because I, I haven't quite done a deep dive on, on uh, exact technique for, for this fight, but... I don't recall Caldwell having a, a huge variety of setups for his takedowns. Not particularly. And if he knows, if Borix knows how he's coming in, I, I, I'm it could be dangerous. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. That that is very, very, very dangerous territory to go into head first. I like, dude. I, I'm telling you, I like both these guys, but I, I feel like I said, just where they are in their careers, man. I find this so intriguing again with their styles as well. So that's a big matchup in the Grand Prix quarterfinal. And again, the winner is going to go against AJ McKee. That side of the bracket's already set up. A um, couple other things on this main card, and I'm telling you, I really, really do like this card. Juan Archuleta versus Henry Corrales, two dangerous fighters, both of whom uh, were eliminated from the from the Grand Prix, but are you know were in good fights against tough competitors, and, and this will be, I think, a good fight. Um, Archuleta, by the way, at, at the media day was impressive. He, I don't know, rolled in wearing a suit but no shirt, just the, yeah. just the that, jacket. That's a fashionable and, uh, dude, ain't that's it, That's a fashionable <laughs> dude, man. He is, man. And, uh, and Henry Corrales just said, look, we're going to throw down. Sergio Pettis making his debut, another big name coming over from the UFC against a guy in Alfred Kashakian who um, I don't think a lot of people probably know the name, and understandably so, but the guy is an absolute terror on the regional stage. He's come up to the big stage a couple times. He was on Dana White's Contender Series. He lost to Sean O'Malley. Oh, by the way, that guy's pretty good. He uh, lost to Juan Archuleta out on the regional scene before. So, he's I mean, pretty good, too. He's not exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he's lost to some top talent, and Kashakian said um, the Contender Series fight was, was an eye-opener. I talked to him briefly today, and he said, listen, man, I didn't do anything in my diet before. Like, I had no nutrition because I, like, I just ate fast food. He's like, I would cut, like, 20 pounds on the day I was weighing in. He's like, I've changed all that, man. It's going to be different. So, uh, man, coming in uh, against Sergio Pettis, Sergio's not getting uh, uh, just a gimme fight here, you know. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by this one a lot. And then you round out the main card with the specialists. You got Raymond Daniels coming in. He of the just absolutely insane knockout uh, facing Jason King. And then uh, Emily King against Ava Knight, who uh, I had not talked to Ava Knight before. Uh, man, she is a she is a pleasure to talk to. Oh, such she's, a, such, she's such a nice young lady. She's a sweet <laughs> she's girl. A sweetheart. Yeah. I enjoyed it. She, I will say this. It, I was like, what are the biggest lessons you learned? Now, of course, she is, if you don't know, Ava Knight, a former professional boxing champion, which I didn't even know. I guess still, I she's, don't know if she still has a title. Does she still have a title? I don't know if she still has a title. But she but she's, boxed. Yeah, she she's boxed still in active. between then. Yeah, she she boxed like a couple months ago or a month and a half ago, something I didn't like know that. that. She, yeah. boxed, she did her MMA debut, then she went and boxed, and now she's back uh, doing MMA again. But it was funny. I was like, what lessons? did you learn you know generic questions but the standard stuff that you want to know what did you learn out of that first MMA fight she said I learned that I never want to be on my back again I'm like, well, okay, yeah. that is a good lesson. I don't know if you're going to be able to execute it or not, but you know, but I, you know, I kind of appreciate the honesty. I was like, well, is that really the? Can you go in with that attitude? She's like, well, I'm not saying I'm not working on it. She's like, I'm yeah. working on what happens <laughs> if I go to my back. She's like, but I, I know I don't want to be there. She's like, I like to stand and bang, and so I, my game is going to be suited around me finding a way to stand up. So, listen, this main card to me, I think is, um, I think is again intriguing little storylines. Uh, this is this is an excellent main card, and and especially on those times when Bellator and the UFC go head to head, it is very important that Bellator put their best foot forward, 
And I think this is what they did here. They yep. they've put together an, an an excellent card. I I don't think there's one fight on this main card that isn't intriguing. And to top it off, I mean they they've got a couple of really intriguing fights on the prelims as well. Well, I was gonna say, and and there were a couple uh, fights that fell off this, so there would have even more though. But yeah, so the prelims. I want to talk first of all, Aaron Pico versus Daniel Carey. Um, Aaron Pico, man, uh, Aaron Pico was intense this week. Um, you know, he knows what the storyline is. He gets it, man. He he, he had back-to-back losses. You know, he's, he's had some knockouts. Uh, he was the, the super kid, you know, that was supposed to be everything. And, you know, I, I, I walked all the way up to the line of asking him this, and, and, I, and, I, and I didn't ask him it. And, and not that I was – I don't know. It just – I don't know how he would answer. But I, I wanted to ask him, like, is there any part of you that has ever thought, I wish I wasn't Aaron Pico. I wish I was – Mike Smith from Iowa, who's just generic dude that came out and, and is working his way up the ranks. I mean, on the one hand, I mean, he's been paid very well to be four and three in his MMA career. So I'm sure he appreciates that financial opportunity. And not many people get the chance to capitalize on the spotlight. But, man, the, the, the pressure that he's been under, the expectations that he's been under from day one. You know, I think it was ESPN. I think their headline was, this is the greatest MMA prospect mm-hmm. of all time. Man, that is that is hard. And um, man, you know, back-to-back losses on the prelims now, you know, wasn't invited to the tournament, smartly so, Absolutely because, right. you know, they said, hey, let's let's not do that to you. Let's let yourself get back on track. And by the way, Daniel Carey um, has beat a couple of prospects as well, and he was an interesting cat to talk to because he's like, I don't know why they're giving me this dude because I'm going to knock him the fuck out again. Yeah. It was like no respect. He's, he's no. so matter-of-fact about <laughs> everything. It was just like – it was just a matter of, of just statement like, like yeah, I'm just going to destroy him. Yeah. yeah that's all. It and, was crazy. Yeah. So the, I, I, I'm intrigued. And, and like I said, Pico – I had heard that Pico really didn't want to talk to the media this week, and, and, and I get it. He was just like, I don't know. But he did. He showed up to media day, and I thought he was just refreshingly honest, man. I, I You know, it's just like, what, you know, where do you say? He's like – it sucks, man. He's like, it sucks. It has been hard. He's like, but what am I going to do? I'm going to give up? He's like, this is what I am. This is who I am. This is what I do, you know. And and uh, me feeling sorry for myself or me wondering what F or woe is me does nothing. He's like, I just got to get back in and I got to work harder. And he said, listen, last time out, I had only been at Jackson Wink for a couple weeks. Now I've been there for six, seven months. I feel that they've helped me a lot. I feel that they put a lot of attention to me. Um, it was interesting. He's like, I, I love Albuquerque. You know, he's like, I've, yeah, got, he was, he's, I've got horses that I can ride out my front door <laughs> or whatever. Because I was like, man, I've been to Albuquerque. It's not as great as SoCal, right? And he's like, no, I love it out there, the people, the culture, all this. So, I don't know, man. There was just, like, intensity about him. And I, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to see it. And I know a lot of people just want to hate on him. But I think people should remember, man, this dude wasn't, like, in the spotlight going – Look at me, guys. Look at me. I'm going to be the greatest ever. It was, you know, people in the know saw his wrestling background, yeah. his Golden Gloves Training background. Training with Freddie Roach and, you know, national uh, wrestling teams and Pancration titles and That's whatnot. That's it. There was hype around him, but he was never the guy out there yeah. going, I'm the greatest MMA prospect of all time. Watch me do this. He just always said, I'm going to work my ass off and be the best I can. And so I, I feel like a lot of people have turned on him and almost kind of want to see him fail. I don't know. In a lot of ways, I'm kind of interested in seeing if he can rebuild himself. You know, it's, I find it very difficult to talk about Aaron Pico without talking about just how mature and classy that guy is. Um, you know, and, and we, we we were there, his um, his loss. Um, I know you were – I think you were there when he got knocked up by that. I'm not going to commit to it. I don't know. Maybe I was just oh, in the documentary. <laughs> 
But I, all right, I know you were there for the Corrales fight. Yep. I, I definitely remember yep. talking to you, Cage, out there. But uh, <laughs> but after that fight, it was so impressive that he suffered such a devastating knockout on such a big stage, and he made it a point, you know, fresh bruises and all, to put his suit on, yes. get in front of the media, and, and give us heartfelt answers, looks you dead in the eye when he talks yep. to you, and it's just such an open book. So seeing him uh, at the, the undercard media day yesterday – the first thing he says to me is, he's like, yeah, sorry, I normally wearing a suit, but I literally just got off the plane, and so, yeah, I got my tracks on. Like, dude, it's all good. Man. It's, it's, good. it's, it's all, good. all right. You're a pro athlete. You can dress like this. But, um, <laughs> but, but he was I, – I think it's more so the pressure he puts on himself. Yes. And not the fan expectations. Because I, now I'm sure – and I'm, I know there have been trolls saying things about him and, and downplaying uh, what he's had to go through in, in his journey as a mixed martial artist. But um, I see a lot of support for him. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of people just saying, hey, don't, don't rush this guy. You know, don't don't put him through the ringer at at his age right. with his level of potential. What you can do with him if you just let him develop. At, what I found very intriguing was uh, I think the last time he was before the media. Um, now this is another time I know for sure you were there because we <laughs> talked to each other. Um, the Dominus MMA Media Day. Yes, and I think he had just signed with with Ali's company. And I, I asked him something there, and he just about his time at Jackson Wink, and he just he. He sounded confident in his in his new coaching. When I asked him about it this time, he sounded ten times more confident. Yes, and 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 it's just this laser laser focus that that he has. Now I'm not saying that he's going to go out and just blow the doors off of Daniel Carey because Daniel Carey has the right mentality yes, going does. into this. Man, he don't give a fuck. It's true about none of the fanfare, or none of the hype around Pico. He just comes out to do his job. Yep, uh, but. This version of Pico, man, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited for it too, man. I'm excited to see what happens here. A couple of the names I just want to give you to look out for. Uh, J.J. Wilson, a uh, kid out of New Zealand, man. He's living in SoCal, training there now. Uh, man, this kid is dangerous. 4-0, three of those in Bellator, all four stoppages, all in like 90 seconds or less. Um, first time I've ever gotten to talk to this kid. He's, he's a real pleasure to talk to. And it was funny. I, I kind of went up to him just joking. I was like, so what's the plan this week? I was like, 45 seconds, 60 seconds. I mean, he hasn't fought like a minute and a half yet. He's like, ah, he's like, maybe we'll go a full minute this time. Maybe we'll go a full minute. And I, I said, listen, man, I was like uh, – let me ask you something. I mean, I was like, what is your mentality when you step in there? I mean, you've had all these quick finishes. I mean, you can't go in there assuming. Like, I, I don't think anybody assumed Conor McGregor was going to get rid of Donald Cerrone in 40 seconds. I mean, you can't go in there thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to get get done with this dude in 45 seconds and go home. I was like, so what is the mentality when you go in there? He's like, he's like, my mentality when I go in there is that like, I'm going to die or he's going to die, and I need to go home and see my family. I was like, oh. oh. That's that that is intense, my friend. Uh, <laughs> just just you saying that right now just scared the shit out of right? me. Right? I was like, dude, I love that. And he actually posted that quote on his Instagram. So if you if if you want to check him out on his Instagram, I was like, this is lit. I'm gonna figure out how to repost Instagram. I still don't know how to do that. I'm just <laughs> learning Instagram. That's why I'm trying to start the Patreon, so I don't have to mess with that stuff. Uh, but I thought that was intense. But the kid has looked very very talented. He hasn't fought long, but he's looked very very talented. So that's a name if you're not familiar with it, watch out for. Pay attention, Curtis Millinder. Yes, back in Bellator, I would. I, you know what? I feel so bad. I interviewed him, and I love Curtis, man. And he's such he's such a fun guy to talk to, man. He's so knowledgeable, and 
I totally forgot he had fought for Bellator before. Just in my head, you know, I was like, I remember following him up the regional ranks. I remember coming to USC, and and and, and so I, I feel like I screwed up my interview. I, that one, I'm just gonna let the world know. I'm gonna admit that I forgot. But Curtis is, is seems like such a forgiving guy. Oh, he didn't say yeah. it. No, he played around. You know, he didn't call me out. You know, <laughs> I knew myself. I was like, man, you know, like new home. Welcome to your new home. He's like, yeah. Now if I'd remembered, I'd been like, welcome back. Yeah. You know that sort of thing. I'm like, ah, you know, is there gonna be nerves? You know, like, yeah, you came from the USC, but now you're in Bellator. Does it feel different? See, if I'd have remembered, I'd have been like, I mean, is it comfortable now that I mean, you've been here? But, but I'm a dumbass, and I totally forgot. <laughs> so I, I just want to admit that in front of the world. I totally forgot. And I felt that. Afterward, afterwards, I realized what I had done. Because at the very end of the interview, he started talking about him and MVP, and he's like, fuck that guy. You know, and, yeah. like, and I was like, why would you? I was like, what? 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 And then and then it still slowly started coming back to me, and I'm like, <sighs> I'm such an idiot. I was like, oh, got to pivot around. Yeah. <laughs> such an idiot. Such an idiot. <laughs> We've I was like, all, all right, been well, there. Interview over. Uh, so that's one to watch. And the, the last one, I got to – and it's tough because Adele Altamimi, uh, one of the stories of last year for Bellator, remember this kid that was in the military and had this horrible thing happen to him where he watched his friends uh, get his murdered brother died. Yeah, yeah. right in front of him. Um, got, a, got a contract. Uh, man, that was just such an emotional thing. But now he's fighting uh, A.J. Agazarm, who um, – I, I, I just want to share this because A.J. Agazarm, I thought – I. Is, is an interesting character. If you know anything about A.J. Agazon, he's an interesting character, right? I had interviewed him one time before, and it was before his debut fight. And I walked up to him and ended up being his first interview of the day. Well, it turns out I was his first interview of the day on his first fight week interview ever. He had done interviews, but never fight week interviews, never here. And uh, the interview was so awkward, and I was just like, this dude does not want to talk to me at all, <laughs> one bit. Uh, but as soon as the interview was over, he he was like, "Bro, can we take a picture together?" And I was like, <laughs> "Well, yes, we can take a picture together." I'm like, "What's going on?" So it was funny. So that was the last. I haven't been at his other fights. You know, he lost that first one, but he's come back and, and put together a couple wins. And now he's on a little bit of a winning streak. Uh, so I see him this week, and uh, immediately he comes up and he's like, "Bro." You did me dirty last time. He was like, you got me first, and I wasn't ready. And and the whole time I thought this dude was kind of awkward and kind of weird. It turns out like it was just he was just kind of nervous for an interview, you know. And uh, and we had a great interview uh, interview this week. And uh, he's he's actually now I think one of my one of my favorite guys to talk to because he he basically ends up busting my balls for the first half of it. So uh, I, I wanted to play this real quick because it was a a massive turnaround from our first interview. So what a difference uh, a year makes. Here's AJ Agazon. Well, AJ, man, it's a full year in the sport now, man. So give me an idea. What's what's the, the biggest lessons, the surprises? I mean, what's what what have you learned over this year? I mean, I learned that I was watching the TV the other day, and I was watching the, the post-fight press conference, and I saw you in there. I'm like, there's my dude. He's doing his thing. You get Dana. Like, you get him going. We try to. You got to get yeah. him riled up a little bit, you know? Yeah, man. You do a good job. I appreciate that. Well, what about from your perspective, man? You, you, you're the one getting in the cage. I'm just out here just writing silly articles and stuff. So what's this past year been like for you. But see, that's it. You think that's how people look at it? I don't look at it like that. I, it, it's everybody plays a part, and and uh, and that's a, that's a big that's a big thing that makes this what it is, right? That's what makes you know this is Bellator in Los Angeles. It's a it's a big event. So I, 
like I said, I, I look at the TV and I, I look at it and I see all these, I see all the moving parts when I watch a show, and I, you know, I see the guys doing the doing the different things, and and that plays effect. You know, even the questions that I've been asked beforehand plays into how what the interview I'm going to do with you and the interview that you give me plays into the way I'll carry myself for the rest of the the weekend into the fight, and then even after the fight, you're going to ask me some questions. You're like, I knew that, and I'm like, all right. But what was it? How long you been interviewing? Man, I think I've been doing this for like 15 years. So you were a black belt in interviewing? A black belt in interviewing, man. I guess I could do that. Here. First year was probably a little nerve-wracking, you know what I mean? You feel comfortable, but you don't know if you're saying something stupid that somebody's going to think you're an idiot. Pretty much how I felt this last year. <laughs> <laughs> you're a white belt in MMA. Coming in, is that what it's been like? Coming in an MMA, a white belt. So I've been fortunate to, to have some red belts to look at, you know, look look after, you know, look up to. And, um, you know, it's just, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a journey. It's interesting, though. I mean, it's obvious, like, you, you see the whole game, as you said. I mean, you're talking about the role that we play. I mean, is that something that you've learned just within the past 12 months of really soaking in and understanding the industry, or were you studying it before you got in? I think the, uh, you know, the, the, the dynamic of anything. You know, I, I come from a big family, so it's, you know, it's a pretty dynamic family, and there's always a, a lot of moving parts, just like anything else. So when you, you look at things more as a whole and, and I try not to just individualize myself in the situation. There's a there's a lot of fighters on this roster, and you guys, they you looked at Bellator's schedule over the last couple months. They were in Japan, they were in Hawaii, they were all over the place. And this is just another show on uh, you know on their calendar. But I'm I'm working to make this a special show, and that's that's why I work my tail off to to really uh, to give give you guys something to report on, to give give the fans something to watch, and give myself my best foot forward in, in everything I do. Yeah. It's awesome. You've got a little momentum going right now, for sure, with the wins. But I do wonder, after that first loss, you know, I mean, haters were coming out, man. They were attacking you. I saw it. Was that, was that difficult yeah. for you to, to have that be your first experience? You know, now I, I, not, I had nothing to lose. You know, and, and now now they're doing it. They're like, well, why is he still doing it? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing this for me. I'm doing this because this is what I've always wanted to do, and, and I'm living the American dream. I went to college, and instead of getting funneled into corporate America, I got funneled into becoming a fighter because that's really my true calling, and I really want to, you know, be the best that I could possibly be in that. I'm just fortunate to have the guys and the people that I'm with and the team and the advisors that have been around me for as long as I've been living to put me in this position to, to, to really showcase what it means to be a black belt and, and you know, like like most jujitsu guys out there, they just they get comfortable and they get their black belt and they're like, oh, I made it. Well, no, that's that's not that's not a sign of making it. Like, you, you got your your first camera, you're like, oh, I made it as a reporter. No, <laughs> right. no you, now you go use it. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. It's just been, uh, um, it's it's been it's been real interesting, especially especially the last year. Could you have functioned in corporate America? What what, what job role would you have been filling? You know, I used to work at a bank. Did you really? Yeah. Yeah, I have a degree in finance, too, so. What were you doing there? Were you, like, putting accounts, digging loans together, or? I, they had me doing all kinds of stuff. I was working uh, primarily with credit cards, but, yeah. It's a shift. <laughs> Sounds like a To nightmare. say the least.
<laughs> Sounds like a nightmare. Yeah, but you know what we're always doing is we're always crunching numbers in, in bank and um, in finance. We're always crunching numbers, and that's what we're doing as athletes now. So it's a little bit easier. I know you guys are crunching numbers as well for your for the metrics that you got to reach. And I, I, I'm, you know, I'm I'm really excited when you guys when you know those stats that they post after the fight. It's like, oh, he landed this amount of fights and he threw this amount or this, that, and the other. And it's just like I'm really interested in that kind of really? stuff because I'm trying to refine it to be the best possible product that it could be given my you know given my talents and um, I'm just a black belt I like it let's talk about some of the stats here in this matchup Adele I think of him as a karate guy but he's got a ton of submissions to his name as well so have you studied his game I mean what do you what do you think about him overall if you want to take that phone call go ahead calling me (laughs) they gotta call you back I appreciate that. We'll just put him on hold just for a little bit. But what do you think about the guy? I mean, have you broken down his tape? Are you a guy that watches and studies and that sort of thing? Because, like I said, I kind of thought of him as a karate guy, but he does have so many submissions to his name. Does he have – he has submissions? Yeah. I think um, he he poses he, – he, like, like like every fighter, they have their they have their thing. They have their go-to things. And um, there's something – there's something to be said about when you turn turn the heat up a little bit and you put the you know put the sun right in their eyes and you get it as hot as possible. It's like, how good are you? So, that's that's really what I'm going to do is I'm going to start I'm going to start it with uh, as hot as I possibly can and, and sustain that for the entire duration till he either gives up or the final bell rings. I like it. First year started out rough. It's ended up successful for you. Lay out 2020. What's what's the plan? Is there a is there a series of goals in place or a roadmap? What, what do you think you do this year? Yeah, I, I wouldn't call. I wouldn't consider it a rough start. It was a start, but <laughs> fair enough. You know, a start nonetheless. Yeah, but it. Uh, I'm gunning for that that world championship belt with Bellator. I, I, I think I have I have the best. Uh, maybe not now, but the best capacity. To, to, to have that belt and I'm not looking to just get it I want to hold it for as long as I possibly can I want to set records um, but I'm not looking past this fight right now and I'm really focused on 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 m- making a statement not not only to my opponent because it's going to be him and I out there but to everyone else you know I I, I come with a a world of practitioners in the in the in the world of jujitsu. So they're all looking, you know, whether they want me to win or they want me to lose. They're looking to see what my approach is and what my strategies are and things that I do in a fight. And I, you know, you could say that's self-inflicted pressure, but it, it's it's pressure nonetheless. And I, I you know, I, I'm really proud to have come from the from the the background that I have and to have the team of guys that I'm with and. And to put it all on the line like this, I think that there's something um, that's going to happen big in 2020. And uh, it starts with the, the Nick Diaz army. The Florida boy. I'm telling you, he's one of the boys now. I like him, man. I <laughs> thought he was awkward, but he's all right. So, listen, I, I think this Bellator card has a lot of interesting fights on it, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm here covering it, man. It's, I think it's going to be a good one. But it is not the only fight. I do hate the fact – I hate when they go head-to-head. Yeah. I hate the fact that the UFC is on the exact same night. Now, if you're a hardcore MFA fan, there is a, a couple hours different, so you will be able to kind of – layer things out a little bit. I just like it better when like one is Friday, one is Saturday because then you can watch everything. But USC on ESPN Plus 24, Blades versus Dos Santos out there in Raleigh, North Carolina. Matt Erickson is out there and 
a big main event, man. You, you, you said it a little bit earlier. Curtis Blades versus Junior Dos Santos. Um, you know, big heavyweight fight for sure. And um, again, you know, we were talking about matchups that have kind of meanings and positionings and where people are at in their careers. Uh, Curtis Blades and Junior Dos Santos, man, you know, this is this is intriguing to me because Curtis is that guy that, you know, he's had those rumblings. You know, this is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. And if Francis Ngannou didn't exist, he would be the guy. You know Definitely. what I mean? He'd, ha- he'd be right there. Um, and it is funny that Francis Ngannou has been his kryptonite because I'm not saying Junior Dos Santos is a Francis Ngannou clone. They're definitely very different in their striking, but you're talking about a, a striking specialist, a very good striker in the heavyweight division. So interesting to see if that you know kryptonite plays out a little bit. Meanwhile, Junior Dos Santos, former champ, of course, we know everything that he's accomplished, man. Just such a, a an awesome human being, number one, but fantastic matchups and, and, and a great track record. Um but I feel like there's question marks around him. You know, is 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 he still what he once was? And he's getting you know t- to face kind of that next generation right here. And um, it's an intriguing one to me. I'm I'm very very interested in this fight. Um, I'm I'm kind of not sure what to think about it. Um, in in no disrespect to the gentleman, but we're kind of seeing like the the castoffs of Francis and Ganu meet one another to try to see who gets another opportunity to kind of to right that wrong. Right. I'm I'm leaning toward Curtis Blades in this one. I am too. He's I, a big favorite. A big favorite. I didn't realize that. I was just checking the odds again. He's oh, a he's, big favorite. How big of a favorite? Minus two fifty. Wow, that's that's I mean, not massive, but it's but still that's pretty still, damn yeah, big. It, especially given, you know, what JDS has accomplished that's in his it. career, man. Um, and he's and it's not like it's not like um, while I think Curtis Blades is probably going to be able to get a takedown, ground and pound him out, and get a get a TKO stoppage. Taking down Junior Dos Santos not easy. is 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 a lot easier said than done. Yep. So I don't think Blades is necessarily going to be able to hang with him primarily on the feet, but at the same time, Blades is still very new to MMA. Um, so when you're that new to MMA and you're and you're still fighting on that that high of a level, like you, you're gonna make these rapid improvements. Yep. And and that's that's something we need to watch for. I mean, I guess what the closest person that we can liken JDS's style that that uh, Blaze has faced before, maybe Overeem. Makes some sense. Maybe I, yeah. I I'll go on the limb with that one. We saw how that played out. Yep. Um. I and I think. I think Curtis Blades might might be able to to buy himself some new life uh, atop of the heavyweight division. I'm, I'm intrigued, man. You, you you look through JDS's recent track record, as you said, Nagano lost that fight. I mean, you know, complications there, whatever, but lost that fight. Uh, and he's had the injury since. You know what I mean? He's had all the the, the, the infection and all that stuff. I'm kind of kind of curious about that. You know, how did that impact him? Then you go back. You know, wins over Derek Lewis, wins over Ty Tuivasa. No disrespect. Love both those guys. Fun to watch. Fun to talk to. But I, not elite level competitors. I don't think either one of those. You know, you don't look at them and go, definite future champion. You know, that's why it's going to be right. there. Um, the win over Blagoy Ivanov. That was an impressive one. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's a, that, that, was a, that means something. That would that means something, and that's a, that's a tough dude. But again, not somebody that you're like. Right. Not not okay. This could be a champion. Yeah. Right here. Um. That does, yeah. It's, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm curious because, listen, I'm not trying to count JDS out, man. 35 years old, again, one of the nicest dudes in the sport, man. And, uh, he's up there singing Purple Rain in front of the media the <laughs> other day, having fun. I mean, uh, I love this guy, but it's there's question marks. That's what I'm saying. I'm not counting the guy out, 
what I'm saying is there's question marks. That's why I like to see when I go in, what's going to get answered. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. that's what I feel like is is does he still belong in this elite level competition? You know what I mean? Or is Blaze this guy that we thought he was? Man, I I'm excited by this one. Yeah, I'm leaning toward Blaze being the guy we thought he was. I mean, I I don't think that's that's really uh, putting down JDS at right, all. Right. I think Blaze is really just that good. Right. Like like you said, a, a world without Francis Ngannou, Curtis Blaze is the guy. Yep. Um. So. Yeah, I, I think he's going to show that Saturday. I'm intrigued by that one. The other one I'm really intrigued by, man, Michael Chiesa versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Yes, man. please, may I have another. That's it. Yes. I, and, 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 again, I, we just talk, I, I'm very intrigued by the main event, so I'm not trying to write it off, man. I'm not. But to me, this one has just as much intrigue, if not more, man. I, I, I love it, man. And uh, I, I, I don't know what to think of it, man, because Chiesa at 170 pounds – Definitely the right move. No question about it. Definitely the right move. And and again, I think RDA, one of these guys that we're having question marks about like exactly where he stands, right? I mean, the guy has shown that he can fight the very best of the best and, and, and obviously former champ as well, you know, similar similar position. I mean, Kies, I don't know that I'd say is in a similar position to Curtis Blades, but but maybe so, you know, and the fact that he's coming up to a new division and it does seem like this is the right right place for him to be in. So a lot of Similar storylines, I guess, to, to to these top two fights, and I'm uh, I'm ex- I'm excited by this one as well. And by the way, uh, here here it's it's the other way around. Rafael dos Anjos, the established veteran, the big favorite at minus two sixty. That makes sense to me. I wouldn't put the line that far apart, but it, it makes sense to me that that dos Anjos is the favorite, and mainly because Kiesa, this is his first real test at World. Yes, it is. It is. That is fair to say. Yeah, with all due respect to Carlos Condit and Diego Sanchez, who are both absolute, you know, uh, pioneers, vets, legends in, in, in the game, they they are diminished versions of themselves. That's that's that is it's hard it's hard like I said, you don't want to sound disrespectful because those guys are legends, but it's 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 2020. Right, and 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 especially it especially hurts my heart to say that about those two in particular yes. because Carlos Condit was a big part of my fandom before becoming <laughs> a, a, a media member. That's and, great. And Diego Sanchez is, you know, he it was it's been one of my more you know pleasant interviews. Oh, he's the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's gonna go long. You're not gonna yeah, get a short oh, interview. Oh, it, you, it's gonna be yeah. You're gonna be there. Post up. Bring ha, ha, Have a Snickers bar. Yeah. <laughs> but he's so great, man. And it is, dude. It is great. I mean, listen. I don't know what he's doing with the crystals and the whatever else he's got, whatever he's got going on, but that dude really does look like he's getting younger. He does. He's uh, it's scary. He is, he is a very scary man. All right, we'll, we'll get to him later. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's <laughs> yeah, got a fight coming up. We'll deal with that. But yes, no, you're right. I that I guess that's why I think is rightly. Kiesa does look so much better at 170 pounds. Like it's ridiculous that he was making 155, man. And, and it's 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 I me. Mean, he's a huge dude. He's in the right weight class now. But now we find out for real. Like, are you know, are you just another guy here? Or are you, you know, a guy that we need to pay attention to? Yeah, that's that's a big question that, that we need to ask about Michael Chiesa. And he's a guy who came so close to being one of those guys at 155, which is a hyper-competitive division. And he, with a win over RDA, he automatically becomes one of those guys at 170. I mean, look at the guys who have previously beaten Rafael Dos Anjos at 170. You got Kamaro Usman, the current champion, Colby Covington, who uh, the recently dethroned People's Champion, uh, and and you got Leon Edwards, who should be fighting for a belt. That's it. Yeah, if if if, uh, if we were just doing it off merit alone, right? Not necessarily, uh, you know, what your star power is. And I sort of think Edwards should be right there. So yeah, you're absolutely talking about the best in the division, and that's always tough too, man. When you're talking about a guy that has losses against the very best, because. 
I mean, if you lose the very best, that doesn't mean you're close to the very best. But at the same time, like if you're only losing yeah. the very best, like don't don't downplay that much. You know what I mean? Like yeah. what, what do those losses really mean? So, it's levels to this. That's it, it. Yeah, and and we do know that Rafael dos Anjos' level is above a lot of others. And Michael Chiesa, we still have question marks about him at welterweight, despite the fact that he physically looks a ton better. Yeah, he's a massive guy. I don't know how the hell he made 155. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's it. And when he talks about it, I've talked to him a couple of times since the since the move up in weight class, and he just he was like, I, I don't know what the hell I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I have no clue. Well, at least he admits it. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, Matt Erickson is out there, and uh, luckily, you know, since we can lean on the MMA Junkie resources, I figured, hey, a few minutes with Michael Chiesa, you know, you'd want to hear a little bit about that as well. So uh, here he is uh, speaking with Matt Erickson out there in North Carolina. About, uh, what, about a year into this welterweight experiment? Yeah. How's it feeling? I mean, it's got to feel great about this time of week. Yeah, it's really not an experiment anymore, man. This yeah. is where I'm here to stay. I mean, I'm... T- I'm too big at lightweight. I mean, it was getting to the point where it was borderline comical. You know what I mean? I'd go back and watch film, and I'm like, it's just it's not my weight class anymore. I mean, I had a really good run there. I beat a lot of good guys. Um, you know, but this is my new weight class. This is where I feel best. You know, and I'm here to become world champion. I feel like this is the, this, this is the toughest weight class in the UFC, but when it comes down to giving myself the best shot at becoming a world champion, this is where I have to do it. I mean, I was really handicapping myself fighting at lightweight, and... I feel good here. I feel right. I probably, RDA probably feels the same as I do. You know what I mean? He made the jump a long time ago. And he got himself into a title fight. So, uh, yeah, it's, this is the right weight class for me. Was this the point of the week before that you were probably feeling the worst? Was that Wednesday and early Thursday when you had 15 more to go? No, it was like four weeks into okay. training camp. I felt the worst. You know what I mean? It's for me, like right now, my weight is, I'm, I'm probably about 85 water loaded. You know, and I had to work hard to get here. You know, I'm, I'm a big guy. I, I'm 200 pounds outside of camp. So, you can only imagine what I got to do to get to lightweight. You know, and the biggest thing is I, I, I quit focusing on my skills and I was just focusing on the weight cut. So, you know, I'd go to practice and I'm really not even paying attention to what my coach is telling me to do. The game planning, all the, sp- all the, all the fight specific training, I'm like, it's in one ear and out the other because all I can think about is my weight. So it's nice to be able to focus on my skills and, and it's nice to feel good, man. Like it's cool to be at fight week and want to engage with my fans and have a good open workout, crack a good sweat. Like I used to really have to drag my feet through these things. So it's, it's, it's making this whole experience as a whole better. Was, uh, was there a better one, two punch to start out at 170 than, than what you were able to do so far? And then, you know, where does RDA kind of fit into that mix to be able to the, have three wins in a row at 170 over the guys you then have wins over would be pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, this is the toughest one. I mean, out of anybody I fought in the UFC, this is the stiffest test I've fought to date. Like, you know, it's, 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 I mean, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, the guy's former world champion, fought for a belt at 170, and he's still very relevant. You know, he's a guy, I mean, he beat Kevin Lee, and, and Kevin Lee is like seven years younger than him. So it's like, for him to be at the age he's at and still beating these young guys, it's like, this is, I, I feel like the toughest guys to compete against are the guys that have, are at the veteran status, that have seen it all and are in like their mid-30s. Like they're still in their groove. Like this is a guy that's still in his groove, you know, but I got to go out there and derail him. So I'm really excited for the opportunity to compete against him, but, you know, I got to get my hand raised on Saturday night. What has been your impression being here in Raleigh and what does it do for the sport to have UFC here? I love being here in Raleigh. You know, it's, uh, it, 
it, it's cool to come to these cities that haven't had the exposure to the UFC yet because it's everybody wants to come see the spectacle. You know what I mean? And it's an honor to be one of the one of the people to put on. I mean, I'm co-main event, so it's like I'm on the poster. You know, I'm around town. You know, there's a buzz. It's good to be here. You know, and and it's cool to have like a good connection. There's a guy who's a wrestling coach at NC uh, NC State, Adam Hall, and I grew up watching him wrestle on the same circuit where I'm from in Washington. So it's like they welcomed us in open arms. So I've been at NC State College using their training room, getting some practices in, watching those guys. And, you know, I went to the game last night, went to the hockey game. It's just a good hometown feel. I love fighting in Las Vegas, but I love just as much to come to places like Raleigh, North Carolina, and get to share this experience with you guys. Not that the, uh, the names that you were fighting, you know, four or five years ago were, were, were bad names by any stretch, but the names you're fighting now, does, does that give you that kind of um, satisfaction that, that what you were trying to attain when you were on the Ultimate Fighter, you reached that level. Oh, yeah. Now you're there with those guys. Now you're not just a guy who's fighting those names. You're one of those names. Yeah, it's crazy. I, you know, I'll be eight years I've been in the UFC this March. So it's like I, I've, I guess I've achieved that veteran status. But it's nice to be in this fight with RDA and still feel like the up-and-comer. Like, I feel like the up-and-comer. I'm going up against the veteran. I'm going up against the guy who's a former world champion, you know. In my last, let's see, since Kevin Lee, who he fought for a belt after we fought, Anthony Pettis, former world champion, Carlos Condit, former world champion, Diego Sanchez, former contender, fought for a belt. You know, this is my fifth champion. This is the fifth guy that I've fought in a row that's been in a title fight or has been a champion. So these are the fights I want. And that's how you become a champion, man. I gotta, I gotta beat these guys, and you know, it's, it's a lot easier. Than, it sounds a lot easier than it is. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, it's an honor. Can you break him down real quick for us? I mean, obviously we know he's good on the ground, but we know, I mean, the majority of your wins are, are there yeah. as well. So. Well, I'll break it down for you real simple. He's got really good stand-up. He's got a hard leg kick. He's got great takedown defense. He's got good submissions. Got my work cut out for me. <laughs> uh, notice you. Did nothing but chili peppers up there. Yeah. You and I have had these Pearl Jam discussions. Yeah, before, oh yeah. So yeah. I'd be remiss to not ask if you'd heard the new single. I have not yet, but right, I did we'll, see that they released we'll it on later. Twitter. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this little PJ sounds good. Of course, your well, I can't reveal too much, but you know, for as well-rounded and complete as a fighter as he is, there's obviously, everybody's got holes in their game. Nobody's perfect, you know what I mean? Everybody's got holes that can be exploited by, you know, another man. So um, there's some things that we're gonna look to capitalize on, but you know, I'm expecting a three-round fight. I'm expecting to be in there for 15 minutes. I'm expecting to, at some point, have maybe be on the bad end of some exchanges, but I'm also expecting to be on the good end of some exchanges. And that goes for the ground, that goes for the wrestling, that goes for everything, you know what I mean? So it's gonna be a back and forth fight, but you know, I'm very confident I'm gonna get my hand raised. As you would expect, Michael Gessa feeling good at 170 pounds. Uh, I just want to get right into it. Hannah Cyphers versus Angela Hill uh, is on the main card as well. I just want to go straight to this interview as well because I shared one interview <laughs> with AJ Agazarm just because like I like the guy and, and uh, he's unique and he's a character. Hannah Cyphers is so incredibly unique. Uh, and Matt Erickson sat down with her one-on-one. It is so funny because you almost should go to YouTube and check out the video. If you've never seen this girl, I mean, she she's tough as nails. She fights her ass off. She is petrified of, of cameras and, and microphones. And, I mean, I'm not talking about a little bit nervous. You know what I mean? Like when you were in high school worried about giving a speech, you were like a little <laughs> bit nervous about if you could get up there. This girl 
who fights in a cage for a living, like trembles in fear when when it has happened. It's so unique. Uh, and I was so happy that Matt sat down with her. So uh, I, I just wanted to share this few minutes as well. It's not long, and it's mostly Matt, but I figure it deserved to be shared. This is uh, this is Hannah Cyphers. How does this one feel for you? This is like uh, this is a home game. Um, yeah, this is pretty nice not to have to travel. Uh, um, did you when you knew this card was coming here? Did you say, "Hey, I want to be on this show 100% for sure. Get me on it." Um, I. Have I inquired about getting on it because I thought it'd be nice to get to fight close to home. I mean, when you have to travel, what does that throw? You, does that throw your preparation off during a fight week, or because you've had to travel more lately, are you just used to that part of it? Um, I guess not so much. It's just a lot more convenient. I'm not. I'm not super big on flying, but. So it's nice to be able to just get in the car and just drive down here. This yes, week. Sir, it's really nice. What do you think about? Um, like friends and family and stuff like that that are going to be able to see you fight. I mean, I pulled in here today to the hotel, mm -hmm. and the vehicle that I parked next to has a Hannah Cypher's MMA sticker on the back of it. I'm assuming, was that yours? Thanks, my mom. <laughs> there you go. I mean, she's right there, so this is super easy for everybody. Yeah, my, my family and my friends were really excited that I was going to be close enough where they could come. Um, how much are you getting hit up for tickets and stuff like that? Is it constant? Not, not too bad. Talk to me a little bit about um, maybe the expectations that you'll have on Saturday night when you make that walk out, when they announce your name, you hear the fans kind of go crazy. I mean, do, do you think about that kind of thing and what kind of a boost that might give you right before the bell rings? I don't know. I'm trying to think too much about the crowd and just focus on, focus on the fight itself. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the fight, talk to me a little bit about Angela and what she brings to the table. I know that's not who your original opponent was, and mm -hmm. she's kind of got this reputation now of stepping up for, for girls who fall out of fights. Uh, what does she bring to the table? Uh, where is she dangerous? Um, I don't really know if she brings a lot of experience. You can never like count that out. It makes matter so much in a fight. Um, and she's a really skilled striker. That's mainly where her, where she shines. It's on the feet. It's, it's gonna be pretty fun. Do you think that there's anything about your game that maybe she has overlooked? I mean, she's had a little bit less time to prepare for you than than, than if she would have had a full fight game. Where are you great that she might not realize that you're great at? Um, I don't know. I've been working a lot of areas in my game. Trying to like smooth out some of the spots where I have in it and just getting better. Are you a film watcher? Do you go back and watch um, your opponent's previous fights? Or is that something you um, leave up to the coaches? I do a little bit, mostly my coaches. What did you see, uh, if anything? I mean, I guess the fight, one fight in particular, you guys have a common opponent in Jody Escobar. So <laughs> did you look back at that fight to see what she did against her compared to what you did against her? Um, I have, I have watched it. I, you, you shouldn't generally watch like all the UFC fights as they mm -hmm. come through, especially with the girls. So, a little bit. Now that we're um, starting off a new year, we're still a few weeks into the new year. Did you set any goals for this year, as in terms of your fight, uh, you know, your fight career? I mean, do you want to have a certain number of fights this year? Is is there a certain spot you want to be in the rankings by the end of the year, or do you just are you just a one fight at a time kind of girl? Um. 
I like to be really hard on myself and like set goals, but I also, as far as fighting, just like take it more one fight at a time. Like I'm focused on this fight. But since it is early in the year, I would like to be able to fight a couple, maybe a couple more times this year. Be able year. to get a few, string a few together and, and then, I mean, you got to string a few together to, to, to say that you're in that title picture, right? Yes. Is that is that the ultimate goal for you? I, w like I, would, like, I would like to be good, yeah. I mean, good enough to get the title, but see how it goes. Uh, if you had a picture in your head of the ideal way that you'd like to have things go on Saturday night, knowing you're this close to friends and family, you're this close to home, what is, uh, what's that ideal way to get it done? Mm. Is it being on a highlight reel? Is it some kind of an awesome finish? Probably would make my family and stuff back home happy, but let's see. Right, so there you go, Hannah Cyphers, mostly Matt Erickson, but also Hannah Cyphers. It's funny because uh, the only other person I know that is that scared of, of speaking is Jonathan Martinez. He fights in Houston actually in a couple weeks, and I was putting in my uh, my interview request with the UFC, and he's down on the prelims. But I like the kid. I mean, I think he's got skills, but he's down on the prelims. And there was a part of me that really wanted to schedule a one on one, like just to mess with him because like he <laughs> hates it so much. Like he's so scared of talking. Like I might just try to pull him aside. Uh, I, I, probably if I put it on paper for him, he'll get scared when it's on his schedule. <laughs> he doesn't want to do it. Um, listen, to be honest, um, you know this this fight card. I don't want to uh, disrespect it as all, but, I mean, you know, neither of us are, are, are in as deep. But I, I did want to pick out a couple things um, that stand out to me, and, 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 and I want to let you do the same. Um, Arnold Allen versus Nick Lentz, I think that's a, a quality fight there. That's not Arnold Allen's original opponent, but, you know, Nick Lentz stepping, stepping in, the grizzled veteran there. Um, man, I, I think that's a big test for Arnold Allen, who has looked impressive so far. Um, Justin Kish versus Lucy Pudaleva, uh, I, I just think that could be a scrap. And Lena Landsberg versus Sarah McMahon, you know, seeing Sarah McMahon come back uh, after after pregnancy and taking a break and that sort of thing, I, it'll be interesting to see where she's at. But um, I, I think the hardcores, uh, Brett Johns versus Tony Gravely, I think that is going to be a phenomenal fight, man. I, I really like Tony Gravely and I really like Brett Johns, so keep your eye on that one. And uh, Herbert Burns versus Nate Landwehr. Uh, Herbert Burns, obviously the brother of Gilbert Burns, but Nate um, has been fighting under the M1 banner, and that dude is an absolute character. Um, so he could be a lot of fun. He's skilled as well, but he's an absolute character. So um, if you weren't planning on tuning in early for the prelims, maybe maybe check out a couple of those early prelims. I'll admit some of the middle of this card gets a little eh, to me. Um, and again, no disrespect to anybody that's on it, but as far as, you know, and, and again, it's, it is, I will say this. When you're on site and you're talking to people and you're, you know, you're, you're, it gets a little bit more intriguing to me. Uh, so I don't mean to disrespect anybody here, but if for, for my money, um, start early, watch those first, you know, two or three fights, and then maybe then you start bouncing around. And um, you know, if you're if you're lucky enough to have two setups, you know, you watch both events at the same time. But but what about you? Main card, prelim card. I mean, we talked about those those top two fights that I think we're both intrigued by. Anything else here that you're most looking forward to? I, I'm definitely – I mean, you, you covered the Hannah Cyphers uh, and Angela Hill fight. <laughs> at least one, one, one side of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll just represent a little bit of the Angela Hill side only because I stand for her right. because we are from the same place. Um, also uh, a native of Prince George's County, Maryland. I didn't realize that. Okay, yeah, nice, so, nice. Yeah, so I got, got a rep for the hometown. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead, just put my, my journalist hat just in my pocket for just I a like, second. Hey, look, I'll be honest with you. Every time there's Texas MMA fighters, I mean, 
Fortis MMA representing Dallas. You know, I I, I, I just admit it. You know what yeah. I mean? I want to see him do good. I want to see my hometown represent. Now, now, forgive me while I pull my general's hat back out of my pocket and put it back on. <laughs> um, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight one that probably people would not expect. I'll say Bevan Lewis versus Daquan Townsend. Um, it's a good fight. Yeah, Daquan Townsend. It seems like a guy who kind of gets into chaotic fights. Bevan Lewis, his last fight uh, was that Darren Stewart mm-hmm. that ended up being one of the the least uh, aesthetically pleasing fights of 2019. Thought it was going to be a lot better than it was. That's right. for sure. I-, I wonder if that last result is going to put a fire up under him because we were talking about the same guy who got in a firefight with Uriah Hall and was just that close to yep. to to winning a dominant decision. So. I'm very curious what those two are going to collide. Like, that could be a, a sleeper pick on this one. I dig it. Man, I listen, it's 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 two fights. And, again, I wish they weren't going at the same time. There's there's a couple hours separation, but there's going to be a lot of overlap between these two cards. But I will say, if you're if you're an MMA fan, I think uh, between these two cards, man, I think there's going to be plenty of good fights, plenty of good action, and, and plenty of good storylines. So, um, all right, listen, um, one quick thing about you, just so you know. So, no longer with SureDog.com. By the way, I saw somebody roasting you trying to talk shit the other day on Twitter. First of all, you you put them down as you well. Thank you. As as we expected. Hashtag clap by cartel. Yeah, you do. Uh, <laughs> but I will say, weird thing, right here in California, you basically lost your job because of a damn law that had nothing to do with MMA or journalism or whatever. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. It's it's a law that was made to protect Uber and Lyft drivers and give them like employee benefits. And somebody thought it was a good idea to expand this to freelance writers. Now, granted, uh, freelance journalism and freelance writers do get exploited a lot. Um, and, and that's that's a, a very real thing. But the way they handled that wasn't quite productive because it led to a lot of people just losing their jobs. And uh, Sherdog's parent company just looked at the, the number of California contributors they had and thought uh, maybe they can do things without them. So they just cut everybody in California, uh, myself included, despite, you know, the, the I did a lot of work for sure, dog. And, you know, much love to, to Mike Fridley, my, my, my boss there, and Ben Duffy, Jay Petrie, uh, Jason Burgos, like all the people that I work with very closely there. Absolute love and respect to them. And, and I appreciated my time there. Uh, but, you know, hey, things happen. So. Gotta keep it trucking, baby. It sucks. Like I said, man, you found a new home at Miami MMA News, and that's good. Um, and and, and uh, wish you guys the best there. Obviously, up and coming. Um, it's just obviously Sure Dog, one of the established brands. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, legends of the sport, so to speak. So it's a it's a shame that that couldn't work out, and it's a shame that uh, it didn't have anything to do with your performance or anything like that. It's literally just dumb just, loss. Yeah, just a a politician that decided that uh, thirty five entries uh, per contributor a year. Um, would be sufficient for a, a, a independent contractor as that's a writer. Insane. Yeah, that's super trash. Um, like I can I can do like twelve entries. If you leave me alone at a media day, I, I've turned in like twelve to fifteen pieces of content yeah. in one day. Like that's. I mean, one thing if you were like a magazine writer writing like cover pieces <laughs> yeah, or something. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, dude, I'm out there. I'm out there in these streets, man. I'm trying to get these. You know, I'm at the media day. I'm trying to talk to everybody and and, and get some good content. But it's all good. Like it's. It's um, my journey in mixed martial arts media has been such a thrill ride. It still is now. Like I'm sitting here across from one of one of my role models in this game and, and sharing beers. <laughs> I'm looking around the room, man. There might be somebody else behind me. I'm gonna, somebody stuck in on me. Hey, so I love I love this shit, man. I I love it, man. So so whatever whatever's next. Hey, the DMs are open. So like 
I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I'm willing to, to to get some work in, man. I got a got a little man to feed, and he's saying, "Daddy, you better, you better start interviewing some people. You better start getting this work because diapers aren't cheap." That's it, man. So, <laughs> Ant, Ant Walker MMA, hit him up there. All right, listen, I tell you some news about cold coffee. Uh, we, listen, we've been talking for a couple weeks about what's going on, and uh, it's it's been a, it's been a rough one behind the the scenes. I'll just uh, level it out there and be honest with you. Um, and uh, I know he would have been here and share it uh, with us here, but uh, he's back home in Vegas, and uh, I thought the only right thing to do, he I talked to him about it earlier and, and asked him how he wanted to handle things, and uh, he actually wanted to, to speak to everybody in his own words and share a little bit of, uh, of what's going on. So, uh, yeah, just uh, no no real easy way to segue to it, but uh, here's cold coffee. Well, hello, everybody. Um, sorry I haven't been at, had a chance to uh, be around on these last couple ones. Just crazy work, but you know, as well, uh, dealing with some stuff. But before you get too excited, no, I'm not dying or anything like that, but I am dealing with some, some shit. Uh, well, I guess how do I set it up? I started noticing months back, I was getting like uh, numbness in uh, some of my feet, well, some one of on my foot, and then eventually started progressing, and then numbness in the leg as it was starting to move up. You know, when it started with issues, you know, and of course your doctors wants to say, oh, you know, you're overweight, you know, this is going on and you should lose weight and you should do this, this, this. And, you know, but something inside you is like something else is going on. I know something else is going on, but okay, you're right. I'll try to lose some weight. And I'll try to do this, you know, and then you go through the day and you, you start noticing that, you know, things are getting harder to do, you know, moving around and carrying a lot of gear and a lot of that stuff, you know, your normal back pains just kind of feel a little more amplified. Um, long story short, you know, after sort of trying to treat that forever, finally doctors come to the conclusion I probably have sort of a pinched nerve or something with my, um, uh, in the spine, uh, like a spinal stenosis. So they thought there was like an enlarging of the spinal columns that was causing some issues that could cause some of the numbness of the legs and the other stuff. So they're like, Hey, well, let's just go get to MRIs and, you know, see what, see what we can see there. See, I'm sure it's the stenosis thing. But luckily enough, I suppose, by doing this, uh, the MRIs, um, we found a good size mass or a tumor that is actually surrounding uh, one of my, it's sort of working its way through my spinal column. And it is actually crushing um, my spinal column in a, sec in a section there that is... Uh, the reason why I'm getting a lot of this uh, numbness of the legs, it's hard to stand sometimes. Sometimes uh, just uh, the ability to walk kind of is really weird. And when you start losing that function, you really start to freak out a little bit. Um, you know, you kind of take all that stuff sort of for granted. Um, the ability to, to get up out of your bed easy and uh, to move around and all the other kind of stuff. So, um Everything looks like it is a benign tumor. That is good. Um, does not look to present itself that is a cancer or anything along those lines. So um, that's wonderful. Again, we won't know for sure until we get it out, until they can test it. Um, but that is actually going to take place uh, next Friday, next Friday morning um, on the 31st. Uh, so I will probably spend the time of, uh, when most of you cool people will be watching the Super Bowl. I'm going to be, um, uh, recovering. I'm not going to say hopefully, like I always have been saying recently because I'm a sick bastard. 
Um, I will be recovering in the hospital, um, so hopefully I will be able to watch the game. I'm not sure how that it's all going to work, but uh, uh, we're going to make that work. But uh, the surgery is going to involve two surgeons because luckily enough, uh, my tumor is super just like I am. And so rather than just presenting itself uh, in the spine area so that the spinal surgeon can get to it, it actually is protruding into the chest cavity. So I'm also going to have a thoracic surgeon uh, get in there as well. So um, lucky me for the low, low price of some number I don't even want to think about. I'm going to have two surgeons uh, do a back-to-back surgery. At one point they talked about trying to do tandem stuff, but whatever. I feel like I'm getting way too much into (laughs) the details. Um, But um, that's kind of what's been going on. you know, dealing with all that stuff. And, uh, the guys at Junkie have been really good, um, kind of help covering, um, some of the events that normally I would have to, especially the last couple of weeks, you know, I've had to get pulled off of, uh, event stuff to go do various testing and stuff. And, uh, it's been rough, but I appreciate uh, all my brothers there at uh, MMA Junkie for helping out. And I appreciate you guys that have sent the, the good thoughts and vibes and, um, um, I'm not a big praying man myself, but I respect and appreciate all you out there that are. So I will be more than happy to accept all your prayers and thoughts and good vibes and, uh, all that other stuff that's going to be going for, um, that will be hopefully be coming to me, uh, on, on, uh, next Friday. And, uh, um, uh, if you could, uh, send some good thoughts to my surgeons, <laughs> you know, send good vibes their way. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping they're going to do the best work and then I'll be back out on the road after some recovery time, um, you know, and some rehab time, um, you know, just kind of getting everything back in order, but I'm looking forward to, uh, moving around, uh, a lot easier, um, you know, and, uh, getting to hopefully enjoy a lot of that stuff that we take for granted, uh, you know, um, shit, just moving, exercising, go hiking, walking, all that other good stuff. You know, there's nothing like, uh, you know, facing your sort of mortality that kind of throws it back in your face, you know, and I've, uh, I've been lucky and, uh, I've had a, I feel like I'm getting all morbid to say I've had a good life, but I have had a good life. I've worked my ass off to get where I am, and I've enjoyed every bit of the ups and the downs, uh, the traveling the world, doing all the other good stuff, and I, I, I hope to uh, to get back to that sooner rather than later. Um, so that's it kind of in a nutshell. So, uh, you know, I apologize if I've, if I've been a, a grumpier asshole than later. Uh, I did read that this tumor can cause... Um, uh, personality changes. I was hoping it would make me a much shinier, happier person. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's still to come. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So there it is. Uh, I appreciate you all. Um, thanks for the patience. Uh, thank you, John, for, uh, having, uh, doing the show so much on your own. I appreciate you guys backing me up there at Junkie and, uh, I'll give you guys another uh, another update. Uh, I won't be uh, on the show next Thursday. I don't imagine I'll be prepping for surgery, but you never know. You never know. But uh, so I just wanted to get that out there and share that with you guys. I, I feel bad that you know I've kind of kept it um, 
just kind of close to the cuff. But now that it's getting to that point, you know, it's no sense uh, just keeping it quiet. You know, I'd rather just get it out there. So um, thank you all very much for listening to the Roadshow and for your continuing uh, listening to the Roadshow. And uh, for many, many more years, I look forward to doing this. So um, thank you all. And uh, let's get back to some like lighthearted shit, you know, like dudes and women fighting and beating the shit out of each other. So um, thanks all for listening. Hope I didn't bore you too bad. Take care. All right, so there you have it, straight from Cold Coffee's mouth. Uh, not the uh, not the easiest time for him. So as we said before, man, uh, please keep your thoughts with him. I don't know if you're religious types or whatever else, but whatever you can do to to uh, to send some positive energy his way. Uh, I know he's a little bit nervous. Uh, the show will go on, and uh, we will we will continue to make things happen. He will be a part of it, and uh, it'll only be a, a brief brief pause on the sidelines for him, and then he'll be right back in the mix like he always was. Um, yeah, hate to go out on kind of a, a sad note, but, uh, it, maybe it won't be sad. It'll, it'll just be positive and, uh, things will look good moving forward. Uh, we'll hope for the best for him and, uh, we know things will turn around quickly in the meantime. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.